Hey, it's your host, Brittany, and welcome to the Mom Sweat Sanity Podcast, where we talk all things life, health, fitness, kids, relationships, you name it, nothing is off the table. A little bit of just me and a whole lot of knowledgeable guests. So throw on your Lulus to run or to mom, grab yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, and join us as we unpack life's pressing topics and learn a little bit more of the who, what, whys of it all. Or at the very least, get real, share some wisdom, and grab practical tips to help in our daily lives. I was personally burning candles at all ends. So I had just finished doing the knee knacker and just things, life stresses at home were really crazy that year too. So it was just a combination of everything, but I went into longer runs, not fueling before and not fueling heavily afterwards either. And so just, you know, long training for that and then doing that. And then my body was just like, okay, you're done signs of, you know, extreme, just really tired. My muscles weren't recovering very fast, super brain fog. I'm still dealing with some of them, but they are coming way more around. I did, you know, hormonal panels and, you know, taking adrenal mend and all these different things. So it was a process of supplementing and just being way kinder to my body for sure. Hey everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Today is a little bit of a different type of podcast. It is part two with Hillary Spires, where she turned the mic on me. We talked all things, sport, nutrition, endurance, how to fuel as a female athlete. It was fun. It was something different and something that I could talk about all of my recent learnings from nutrition, sport, nutrition, and taking Dr. Stacey Sims course with regards to women are not small men. So tune in today. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Hillary and myself as much as I did. Okay. Welcome back to the next episode. I'm here today with Brittany, a fellow mom and podcast host. And we've been trying to connect for a while, but with so many kids and so many jobs, it's been challenging. So I'm really glad that we are finally talking. So welcome to the show, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited too to be here. So let's start off with a introduction. Tell us a bit about your podcast and what you do and how you're out there helping women. I'm loving all the content you're putting out. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I'm Brittany. I am a mom to three. And I think Hillary came across my world through Tori, who yes. I've known from Sport Worlds for several years now. I think her and I did the Seattle Marathon back, I don't know, a long time ago. <laughs> And then Tori coached me through when I did the knee knacker a couple of years ago. But yeah, I kind of, I've always been in sport in some way since I was a child. And once I had my kids, my incentive to get back into shape post-pregnancy with all of them was really to set myself some big audacious goals. So (laughs) with our son, I did the New York marathon. And then with both our girls, one of them, I did the Oliver a Soyuz half Ironman. And then the other one, I did the Hanu half Ironman in Hawaii. So I've always just gone, you know, I guess go big or go home. So no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So I've just had fun. I love moving my body. It's as I said, I'm, I'm mom sweat sanity on um, Instagram and the mom sweat sanity podcast as well. And sanity is, you know, I find that in my sweat sessions for sure. It's my time. And so, yeah. Now this led me to here this year. I started a podcast in 2020 because I was just missing that connection, but I really love to learn and grow. So have taken it really, it's just kind of turned into a, you know, women supporting women and all the things we can share together. So it's been really fun. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't realize actually that your podcast was so new because it looks so professional. So that's awesome. Oh, thank you. Fake it till you make it, right? Uh, exactly. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, I have so many questions I want to ask you, but before we get into that, I need to know how old your kids are and each yep. time that you did one of these crazy goals, I mean, people even think having one child and doing a marathon or a Ironman or half yeah. Ironman is totally crazy. So what, this is such a loaded question. Tell us a bit about like doing the first one and then trying to get this done with three kids. And what's that like? Yeah. So my son, he just turned 13. So my dad actually motivated either my husband or myself to do the New York marathon with him. And I was at that point, like six months pregnant and I'm like, okay, so it's one of us, one of us has to do this. And then we get a free trip to New York. (laughs) So, (laughs) So my husband's like, good luck with that. So the baby comes out and we're in New York running that marathon six months later. So I think back then I just definitely, I've had a drive to, you know, once I put my mind to something, I definitely enjoy the adventure to get there. And so it was definitely an interesting process, but a good one. But then I would say post New York, the next Oh, was it a month or two later? I was then pregnant with our second. So pretty quick turnaround post her is when I kind of got into the triathlon world. I had never really ridden a road bike. I have always been able to swim, but I'm not a swimmer. It's the one of three sports that I hate to do. (laughs) It's so common in triathlon, isn't it? People hate it. (sighs) I hate it. Some I think some if you grew up being a swimmer, that's the one thing you absolutely love and no, not for me. Like I dread getting to the pool to, you know, do the training and put in the time there for sure, but I think you really just learn a lot about yourself first of all through pregnancy, through childbirth and then, you know, being that parent and then that really correlates into the world of sport and listening to your body and how far you can push. And so, yeah, anyways, I, I really enjoyed it. I took a pause after, so I did the two half Ironmans, took a pause for a few years and then got back to doing it and ended up with the three kids in tow doing the Whistler Ironman Canada back in 2017. And it's something so cool to let your kids, you know, kind of watch you do also in a way, I think that allowing them to see, you know, the parent, the mom doing something for themselves, but also so athletically inclined to do so and move your body. And I just hope that that's something that they can take on into their futures also. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that's exactly what I was thinking because even just running, just running, but doing just your crazy long. Yeah. Your crazy (laughs) long running is not just running. (laughs) it's, It's easier than than training for triathlon logistically, I guess, for the most part, because you can just walk out the door. I still get comments about like the amount of time I'm not spending with my kid because I'm trying to prioritize running as part of my life as well. And I know people don't mean to put on mom guilt and mom mm-hmm. shame like that, but I just am hundred percent with you. Where The first thing I thought was like, how cool for your kids to have this example of the things that you can do. And they can, and even I know you have two girls, like how they can see their mom doing these things and just kind of know that one day if they want to have a family, it doesn't mean that they have to sacrifice any goals either. Maybe they shift in the timing or something as did Mm -hmm. some of yours, but I just think 
that side of it instead of focusing on the guilt, but focusing on the amazing thing that they are witnessing. And those atmospheres of those events are so great too. Like it's just such a great thing that they will remember always. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And you know, like mom shaming, like seriously, it happens in anything and everything that we can do. We're doing it right or we're doing it wrong. And I think that as long as we're just being true to ourselves and I don't let, you know, any part of my family fall, you know, I'm better for doing this for myself because it keeps my mental health in check too. Totally. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we talked a bit about some of the nutrition stuff and I feel like I could chat just to you forever about being a mom and doing all these things, but Uh, I I do want to get a bit into it. So I know you just had Stacey Sims on your podcast too, didn't you? I did. Yeah. So I, over the last few years, I just like was definitely very interested after doing like long distance sports, you know, more of the endurance side of things as to how to fuel my body. Like, so it began as like a very personal side of like, sport and why I was always in the porta potty at a certain time of the long races or why I had (laughs) gut rot or, you know, whatever that looked like. So the adventure began through doing some sport and then nutrition courses and then doing my sport nutrition. And then I took Dr. Stacy Sims program last year and have just really, yeah, fell in love with like all the aspects of why we are not small men. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's get into it a bit then. I know she does talk about some of these things. So it, it's interesting to hear kind of both of your guys' take on it since she's fresh in your in your memory too. Mm-hmm. So some of these are just questions that my audience has reached out. And I know a lot about nutrition through my own experience and things that I've read. But like you just said, it's about fueling your own body. But I think we can take these principles and kind of take that to figure out what does work with us. Yep. So one of the things that comes up a lot is real food versus race nutrition. And I have read Roar and I know she talks about this a bit and about how some of the sugars don't work for women. And I just kind of found that, that interesting. So, I mean, guess that's not really a question. It's just a statement, but I'm wondering if you have any, any comments or any opinions on say training and racing and both the intake of real food versus race nutrition. I think that both from personal like situations as well as research, as much as you can eat real, it's always better, obviously. The thing with real versus processed and whatnot for a race is that simple sugars, they can help actually in the GI distress of our gut. And that's why, you know, things like if we're eating tons of chews or drinking down liquid gels, things like that you don't always see the big positive results in the end. I know that some people can totally stomach things like that, but I would say the vast majority, especially females in this research, we're not able to process glucose like men. And so therefore it often leads to more GI distress. So if we're able to eat real as much as we can, and then maybe towards the end of races, turn more to our liquid calories if we need to, because we're not able to eat those any longer. It's been a long day. You can't eat, chew, things like that. Then that's when you want to go into that side of things. Liquid calories are also super dehydrating. So we think that we're actually fueling ourselves, but on the other side of it, we're actually, you know, we're depleting as we fuel. (laughs) So it's not always a great, you know, option for us, for sure. Real food is, if we can lean that way, we will feel better long-term. Interesting. Okay. So that makes sense. And I do like, I know there's some talk about electrolytes and everything as well, but I like that the idea of saving that for the end, because that's kind of when you need that extra boost anyways. 
Absolutely. We always need something at the end, right. To get to that finish line. But I mean, I don't know about you, but that's when I, my mouth hurts or I have no interest in even like chewing anything. So if you can sip on something, then save it for later and make sure that you've fueled yourself enough to get to that point. So what are a couple quick go-tos that you would use in say a half Ironman distance? So in half Ironman distance, I would use things like, especially on the bike, when I can chew more, I would do Lara bars are great actually, because they're a great combination of carb, fat, and protein, which is something that we definitely need for those distances. If you're wanting to, well, this isn't necessarily just a fuel. It's a bit of a fuel, but it's hydration. We always need hydration there too. And that's an area that we go deficient in often. Noon endurance has a really great line up of things to make sure that your body is getting enough in. If you need to, like it has taken me a while to get onto the food versus hydration, you know, fueling, because I was definitely always a drinker, but functional hydration. If you are that scratch scratch is great, but they also have, you know, they have their chews and stuff like that as well. You just want to make sure there's protein bombs and things like that. You just need to make sure that everything has enough of the carb fat protein ratio so that you're not getting that gut rot in the end. And you find it like, typically you hear common recommendations of like 60 to 90 grams an hour of carbs, but that recommendation is actually for men. Women can't absorb the glucose like men. So this doesn't actually hold true for us. Our nutrition changes, not only as to our age, menopause, perimenopause, but also the time of our cycle. So we have the ability to spare carbs depending on the time in our cycle and the level of our estrogen. So as an example, to go faster or higher intensity for a race or, you know, longer distance trainings, depending on our hormone phase, we only actually require about seven grams of carbs per 15 minutes. And that's how we can actually absorb and utilize them. So when you put seven carbs per 15 minutes, that like puts that 60 to 90 grams, you know, way out the window for our ability to absorb what we need. Interesting. And there's four, four calories in a gram of carbs. Why can't I remember this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that even still, like, I don't think I can handle over 240 calories an hour anyways running, which is 60 grams of carbs. Right. So then if there's any other macronutrient in there, you're just going to end up with stomach digest issues because your stomach heats up and that's just way too much to deal with. Exactly. And no wonder, you know, then we find the porta potty runoffs and whatnot. But I mean, there's a prime example as to why, you know, the women versus men research there just definitely does not hold true for us. What about protein requirements, both during, after, and just kind of in life in general? I find this interesting. I'm a proponent Mm -hmm. of more protein, I think. I was shocked by this. Definitely. I think when we all like, if we take a step back from it and like, look at the protein requirements, you know, we all, I think functionally know that like our body will tick better if we're feeding it with the protein from the mind all the way through. Right. But for, in terms of like recovery, let's say in terms of resistance and longer endurance, women, need to refuel their body, our recovery to baseline is way faster than men. So we actually need to refuel our body within 30 to 45 minutes of our workout. Men's 
like return to baseline for a man is 18 to 21 hours. Whoa. Yeah. Huge difference. So when you hear, you know, the lasting effect of that long workout, your body is still processing it all. It's so different for us. So what that also means is that we're looking for within that half an hour window, we're looking for 30 grams of protein if we're perimenopause and 40 grams of protein post. So Oftentimes that's for me post-workout, I'm not going to sit down and have a massive meal within half an hour. So for me, oftentimes that's just a really hearty shake. Men need 20 grams to refuel. And again, they have, you know, like a full day to do that. (laughs) That's so crazy. That's so crazy. But Yeah. yeah, I mean, I work, I know I have a lot of athletes and a lot of them are vegetarians or vegans and getting in enough protein is sometimes a struggle because I've always been, and maybe people say it's more of the bodybuilding mentality, but Mm -hmm. I think after 30, you do start losing muscle and that keeping in protein so that you're not burning through muscle doing like an eight hour run on a Saturday is really important for your connective tissues, your muscles and, and everything in general. Absolutely. Do you have a baseline of protein that you recommend per day? Well, Again, that's going to go off of how active you are and then how much you personally weigh. But say if you're, let's just say for even sake here, like 150 pounds and you're a very active individual, you want to be like pushing in grams towards your weight. So I'd say like at least 120 grams of protein in your day. So like it's quite high. But if you're focusing just on eating that amount of protein in a day, your diet is going to be, you know, fairly healthy and your body is just going to tick. You're going to burn more fat and use that as fuel with the protein in your system for sure. Awesome. I love that so much because I didn't know what your answer was going to be before this. And I have had athletes where I'm like, no, like try to get closer to your body weight with the amount of activity that you're doing. And if you Google it, it's like, one gram per kilogram. And they're like, is this what you meant? And I'm like, no, I'm like, this like eat your weight. (laughs) Yeah. This is not for an active female. And their idea of active is like three 20 minute walks per week or something like this is different. And I can say like, I am between 140, 150, usually pounds. And if Mm -hmm. I'm around, if I'm any less than 120 grams of protein, I start to feel it for sure. I don't have as much energy. I don't recover as well. Like things, my body composition changes. So you're right. You do have to really be conscious and eat healthy. And sometimes it just means like, if I have scrambled eggs, adding extra egg whites to it and these types of things, like there's ways to work around it. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally worth it. Yep. I totally agree. Yep. Okay. So shifting gears a little bit, this is one that's actually, it's come up so much recently. And I don't know if quarantine just increased the amount people were drinking, but (laughs) or children, one or the other. (laughs) Yeah. Also that. And every like mom survival guide is just more wine. (laughs) Totally. Oh, what are your thoughts on alcohol affecting performance? Well, I think that if we think about it, you know, realistically and logically, then obviously, yes, it does 
affect our performance. There's two trains of thoughts here. Are you looking for a first at the finish line? So how, you know, how dedicated are you to really making that shift if you're enjoying your wine and, you know, or do you want to take it out completely? But we know that alcohol affects our bloat, inflammation. So how ready are we to perform that next day? Inflammation gives us also the brain fog. So we're not on our fast firing cylinders. So you know, it definitely affects our performance in the long term. What about just per week? And this is a totally random question too. Mm-hmm. Do you have any like amount where you're like, oh, you know, if you're drinking more than that, your sleep is probably affected and you might not even know how gross you feel. Like, is that ever something that comes up for you? Personally, yes. <laughs> But I actually follow a naturopath that I'm friends with here, and she has just been posting a little bit more about this and just saying that, you know, after about three to five glasses, let's say, of wine a week, there is performance and body undoings, unravelings for sure off of just that baseline. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was kind of wondering. Like, I think it's far less than... We thought, and even like, it's so easy to like, my parents aren't big drinkers, but they'll have a glass of wine and a half or even two with dinner. And then I'm like, well, that's 14 glasses. Like if you wrote that on a medical intake, they'd be like, you have a problem. Like, it's amazing how easy that is. And she, and that's actually what the naturopath said too. She's like, okay, so most people are going to tell you it's like, oh, I have like five glasses of wine a week, but in our like nowadays, a glass of wine is more like half a bottle. And then, yeah. so it's like, actually, how much are you actually drinking? <laughs> For sure. And what I found personally is just even one glass, maybe that itself isn't a huge deal, but my sleep is affected like crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I actually have an aura ring and it's really interesting to see. I naturally have a very low resting heart rate, but on the nights that I've consumed some alcohol, my resting heart rate is so much higher. And so my HRV is totally affected. Oh, that's funny. That's exactly what I was going to say. And Garmin shows you your stress response, which is yeah. measured by HRV and the yeah. same thing. Like it's in thirties. If I don't have any one glass of wine and it'll be up around 55, like it's a huge yeah. Even when you don't necessarily feel that the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Sometimes it would just be nice to not know that maybe. So (laughs) I know I agree, (laughs) (laughs) but, and I think you made a good point before too. Like it comes down to, to balance. And like, if you are just out for enjoying life then, and I mean, not Mm -hmm. that like winning races isn't enjoying life, but you can find what works for you, but I think it's nice to be informed and just have an idea of how everything's affecting you. Yeah, for sure. So kind of another gear shift, one thing that comes up a lot. So I had two questions I wanted to ask you, and I'm actually going to tie them a bit together here because I think they do go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. A lot of moms, especially if they're going to run, they have to get up really early in the morning and do it. And I'm one of those people that sometimes my run starts at 5am. So I'm not getting up at four to eat breakfast because it just can't. And Tori gets really mad at me and says that I'm not allowed to run fasted and it's so bad, but equally I feel really good when I run fasted. And I know that might be like a cortisol adrenal thing that maybe it just is like adrenaline that feels really good. But so I guess before I ask you what some examples are, what do you think about running fasted? And especially if it's really early for women. So to be totally honest, I have been a big fasted workout person for a very long time. And then about 
a year ago, maybe, maybe a year and a half ago now, I totally messed up all of my hormones and cortisols and everything. And it was in a very low energy state. So since then, now what I do, cause I, again, I'm not a big person to want to eat much in the morning. It also depends on how big that day is going to be. And what, you know, like if I'm going out for an hour, that would look a lot different than if I'm going to go out for three hours. True. So if I'm going to just go downstairs and do a Peloton or I'm going to do a weight workout, and then I know that afterwards I can fuel myself right away. Then what I've been doing is having my amino acids so I'll just take my scoops of amino acids and this is not a plug. I use <laughs> Keon aminos because they are very simple aminos that are the building blocks to protein. So I know that I'm giving my body something that can refuel itself while I'm using the muscles. So I'll do just my amino acids in the morning. But if I was going to go out for like a long, slow, I would make sure to get some form of protein and fat in before. And honestly, even if that is just half a Lara bar to begin and then continuing to feel myself when I'm on my run intervals, I mean, you don't want to eat too quickly before you're doing something really, you know, fast paced, obviously, but to be able to eat something before you're going in there and then having something bigger post workout is essential for sure. Interesting. So I think you're right. That's kind of what I've heard too, is that you can feel good, but then you get into this kind of like overall fatigue. Yeah. How and then you, you go into that low energy availability and to be able to then be build yourself back up from that is a very long, slow recovery. Well, and so how did you, I know we're running out of time here pretty quick, but I'm curious how you put that together. That that's what I was, on for you. I think I was personally burning candles at all ends. So I had just finishing the knee knacker and just things, life stresses at home were really crazy that year too. So it was just a combination of everything, but I went into longer runs, not fueling before and not fueling heavily afterwards either. And so just, you know, long training for that and then doing that. And then my body was just like, okay, you're done signs of, you know, extreme, just really tired. My muscles weren't recovering very fast, super brain fog. I'm still dealing with some of them, but they are coming way more around. I did, you know, hormonal panels and, you know, taking adrenal mend and all these different things. So it was a process of supplementing and just being way kinder to my body for sure. Yeah. It's amazing how easy that is to do without maybe realizing it and how much you kind of have to take it into your own hands because the doctors often are just like, Oh, well, you know, you're getting older and you have three kids. So you're just supposed to be tired, but it doesn't have to be the answer. No, not don't ever settle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. hundred percent agree. And it can be hard. It can be hard when you go to the doctor, like up here in BC, I have thyroid issues. This Mm -hmm. is a weird tangent, but here we go. And they will only test your TSH, but it's my T3 that gives me the problems. And even if she puts tests for the T3 on the form, the BC healthcare, whatever it is now, takes it off and says, we only need to know TSH. So in order to get that tested, I have to find a natural path. We will find a way to get it put into life yes. because otherwise I have like, the same actually. Yeah. Oh God, it me nuts. And they're like, fire, Oh, look, your yeah. TSH is fine. And I'm like, that's not ever the problem for me. Like, and it doesn't no. correlate to my T3. So ugh. totally. Yeah. No, things are so, you know, just, you have to constantly be your own advocate, but also listen to your body. Like we know how we're feeling. 
Yes, exactly. And yeah. You, yeah. And you know, when something is out of sorts, but I also think as much as you just said, it's kind of difficult to get out of it and takes a long time. It also is like, it is pretty simple, right? Like fueling your body properly, respecting yeah. when it needs rest. Like these are things that we can do in advance as well. Everything you're talking about here, the protein sticking to real food. I think like the takeaways I'm getting are just making sure you're getting enough and that you're getting a balance and that you're kind of taking time to reevaluate how you're feeling all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, really listening to yourself, like is, is today's run feeling hard because like, I just don't feel like doing it or is it hard because my body shouldn't be doing this? Like yeah. being honest with ourselves. Totally. Yeah. So before we finish up here, is there anything else that you've learned about nutrition specifically for females that you want to tell us about? Honestly, so much. So (laughs) like starting from as soon as you get your period through to, you know, menopause age, but again, just listening, listening to yourself, fueling yourself enough. I would say most women are underfed. So make sure you take a look at things. I often check back on to doing the fit tracker and just counting my macros every so often, just to make sure that what I have been consuming for the past while is enough. So just, yeah, realistic check and, and try and get that body weight in grams of protein into your body. Yeah. That's your goal. Everybody. Yep. Get, get in more protein and see how you feel. Well, if our listeners want to find more of you, where can they find your podcast and website, social media everywhere? Thank you. Yeah. So my podcast is the mom sweat sanity podcast on most listening platforms. I am on Instagram at mom.sweat.sanity and email Brittany at brittanderson.com. All right. Awesome. And I will link to all of that in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys, for listening in today. I hope that you were able to learn a few things. And if I am able to help you in any way and you are looking for any nutrition tips or accountability or guidance, please feel free to reach out for me. I am here. I am coaching and would love to help you out. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it. See you next week. You can find me on Instagram at MomSweatSamuel.